0: You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara
1: of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your Let's hosts, go. Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you.
0: And Harrison Crow, Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least
1: expect it. From the kickoff to the shoot. Hello everybody and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian with me as always, the man responsible for making all of the decisions on decision day. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison.
0: Yeah, again, you keep confusing me with Drew. That's 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 entirely true. No, no, I only get get, I only get to decide when Drew's
1: not around. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um I think he's away, so it's perfect. We're folks, we're in charge of the zoo. He is away. That
0: is true. <laughs> we do kind of run the zoo right now. This show
1: is going to abruptly shift topics uh, while Drew's out of town, and we could talk about anything we want. What would? You, what else would you do a podcast about if you if you were if people were interested?
0: Uh, I don't know if I would do. So I I think I would do a podcast that would be wild from episode to episode, uh, just ranging and roving uh, interests. Uh, like right now, I would totally do a podcast about like the last 15 years of my life corresponding to the ups and downs of uh, one uh, Felix Hernandez. Oh, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like that would be a really interesting thing to me and to have somebody else listen to
1: me talk about my, you know, my life. You used to have a Mariners podcast, didn't you? Uh, I guess pe-
0: appeared on quite a few. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or you had a Mariners blog. You were a Mariners baseball yeah. blogger. Yeah, that's how I kind of got started. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people got here through uh, baseball, basketball, Mm -hmm. Um, not so much football.
0: I find. No, I don't think that we have very many that they that's not that big of a crossover and I'm actually really surprised We don't have that many hockey uh, Analytics folks in our in our little small community. I know in large uh, Yeah, soccer large. hockey, it seems to cross over quite a bit. You know yeah. Danny page uh, Is a great example Danny of that page.
1: we should have Danny page on the show sometime we should he's a really nice person. I really like Danny page yeah, um well We've been away for a couple weeks Uh, one of those things that happens when you know we're two people and we both have to have schedules line up and and things not happening and people not being sick or or whatever you know Um, let's just
0: let's just tell the people what they want to hear I got mad you replaced me with Sean Davis and we just
1: stopped doing the show (laughs) we stopped doing the show we didn't think we were gonna get any more interesting than having Sean Davis on and so like I just wanted to end it right there Uh, but uh, people reminded me that uh, soccer goes on Um that was a lot of fun. It's been a couple of weeks, but but uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the Sean Davis episode, go back and listen to the Sean Davis episode. It's he dope. dropped some really interesting little notes. Sean Davis, smart guy, man. <laughs> I tell you, I always feel nervous about interviewing. I've done it a few times on different podcasts. like interviewed an actual soccer player, and a lot of them just aren't very um, interested in talking to you. And I don't blame them. No. Like I'm not mad <laughs> in the slightest or offended. <laughs> like I, I I totally get it. Uh, you know, we're just some dudes on a computer talking. Uh, I feel like Sean Davis could have talked for another hour and a half, two hours about analytics, and he would not have like, felt it all weird. Uh, he, he's definitely very uh, passionate about the subject. So, um, you know, he's our new favorite soccer player here at the American Soccer Analysis Center. So uh, thanks again to Sean Davis. If you're listening, I don't, I don't think he does. But, but, but if you do, hey. Um, but anyway, we're back. And, and we apologize for our little uh, unplanned absence there for a couple weeks. Uh, but things should be stable towards the rest of the season. Um, but, but, the rest of the season
0: being <laughs> this week. That's right, this, <laughs> this week. I mean,
1: yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I guess we haven't really discussed our playoff schedule. There's going to be significantly less soccer to talk about, but the games are significantly more important. Um, so. It all depends
0: upon, like, I think the feedback. If we get feedback from people that want us to do stuff on single game, and I think that it's, this is kind of a a good segue into something I wanted to bring up with you, and that is, like, how we really look at these single games, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, well, I, okay, so I think a lot of people think that, um, and I, I'm sure not, when I say a lot of people, I don't mean our listeners, who are obviously amongst the smartest and most reasonable people in the world, but I think a lot of people that take issue uh, with analytics, um, you know, think that we're trying to sort of reveal the magic trick. Um, well,
0: Drew always makes the, makes the joke about the, wanting to convert the game into just playing it on spreadsheets, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what we would do ideally. It'd save us a lot of time, uh, <laughs> but, but we're not going to. Uh, and uh, so it's interesting because I think that a lot of people have seemed to take a lot of interest in our, our playoff model. Um, our prediction stuff, which is looking pretty on point so far um, mm-hmm. for the most part. I, I don't think there's anything that really jumped out too surprisingly there. Uh, also, it's ever-changing, so it's going to get more and more correct. But I guess a, a question I would have is that, like, I'm looking at this right now, our, our playoff uh, Western Conference model and our Eastern Conference model, which is at uh, AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com slash asa goals um, says that right now, Uh, Los Angeles football club still with a 64.8% chance to win the whole thing. And if you've been watching Los Angeles football club over the last five or six weeks, they don't look as good as they used to look. Um, so do you, does our model like address this at all? Does our model get kind of dumber as this thing progresses towards championships where it's just a single game and context matters so much and injuries are huge, huge things going forward?
0: No. (laughs) No, Explain. it doesn't. So, you know, we look at it uh, from the aspect of the entire season because, you know, we don't want to... Uh, so much can happen in one single game. There's so much chaos. There's so much anarchy that can that can occur over the course of one single game. So our pers- perspective is to look at the long term, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to predict a champion from a series of one-off playoff games is... Uh, it, there's going to be a lot of volatility. Um, that being said, uh, I don't think that, well, I'm trying to think of who we had over the last couple of years and we didn't have anybody that had the, in the last recent years, I should say that had had as much of a chunk of trying to win the championship as, LAFC does right now and it speaks to how good they've been over this entire the season and yeah okay so they don't have Diamande and that's a huge you know that's kind of the crux of where everybody's at because it changes it, it changes a lot of things it changes how they progress it change uh with the ball possession it changes how they're going to um, not even just counterattack, but how they're going to hold up um, there's really kind of a, a linchpin missing now. And so they're trying to become more of a counterattacking, quick transition type team. Um, and, you know, they've kind of not shown an aptitude for it just yet. So it'll be really interesting to see how that changes. Um, because, yeah, th- right now we're looking over a much larger period of time rather than these last five games. Right. And maybe that's something to to take into account uh but at the same time you have a couple of individual teams that are going to get players back for their playoff stint that maybe they haven't had for the large part of maybe the last two three two-thirds of the season such as uh portland right brian fernandez has been uh kind of he had a stomach bug he had a uh, a whole bunch of different stuff now he's suspended and now he's suspended, um, assuming they get to the playoffs, they're probably going to have a little bit better, uh, chance at, at an MLS cup final, um, than the three and a half points that we give them. Um, yeah.
1: And like that'll, that will continue to go up. And another thing to remember too, I think a lot of people, uh, tend to, when you look at models like this, um, you know, if LAFC doesn't win, um, you know, they can look at our model and go, like, Oh, your model was wrong. Um, and it's not the case, right? Like, our model didn't say there's a 100% chance LAFC is going to win the championship. No. 64.8, I mean, that's not... It's a it's a lion's share of the chance, but it's not, like... That's 36% going the other way. Um, you know, something could easily fall within that. So, and the other thing, of course, it reflects is just home dominance in MLS, and with the Supporters Shield, of course, LAFC would continue to draw home games the rest of the way out. So, um, they're going to have a very high... Uh, probability and uh, teams in the East are going to have a higher probability of winning the championship because they don't have to play LAFC until the end.
0: Well, and I think that that's something to really stand out when, it, when you're yeah. talking about home and away. Those people that do those teams that do secure those, you know, first, second, third uh, slots, you know, obviously mm-hmm. first is LAFC, but whoever ends up with those home field advantages, yeah, they're going to have a huge uh, chunk of likelihood to finish in those high uh those high probability areas i mean a great example though of where the model might underrate underrate them is rsl is a really good counterattacking team they end up going on the road which looks like they have a pretty good probability of doing right now same with portland and that's probably a better chance than if they were hosting as a number Mm -hmm. two seed Um, just because of how they play the ball play with the ball, rather uh, without it. um, They like to, they like to counter attack. And for whatever reason, that's a really tough thing for Portland to do uh, at home Uh, RSL. They've been much better at home, but again, they've used their home field advantage and that counterattacking perspective that they, they employ, I think has been really effective for them.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion. I think that um, obviously the East is all more or less sewn up and kind of done and dusted. You can you you could there's some shifting to be done in seating wise that could still happen here. Uh,
0: Stupid New England,
1: but <laughs> much to your chagrin, uh, New England have in fact uh, pushed through um, and made it. Uh, to the thing so uh i don't know do you see anything in the east kind of shuffling uh it, it, this looks pretty well, well set. To me.
0: first of all when we talk about probabilities i mean chicago yeah. needs to be uh called out here right chicago oh, yeah, should sure. be chicago should absolutely be uh in the playoffs right now they should be in the playoff position or at least they they, they should at least at the very least be going down to uh decision day and the fact that they've Mismanaged, and I say they. I'm I'm using holistically within the organization have mismanaged their assets and their people this year, despite being as good as what they've been on the attack. Um, And and I look expected goals isn't meant to solve everything. It's not. It's not the end all, be all of of how we do our modeling. There's a huge amount of variation and and, uh, fallibility with it. And we, you know, heck, we have a I I write the blog. You edit it. You help me out with it um, on acknowledging those moments where the (laughs) the model fails us. Yeah, and it does. And it does. That being said, Chicago has mismanaged their opportunity, and they should be in the playoffs
1: right now. And that's just absolutely mind-boggling. You know what Chicago should have done if they wanted to be in the playoffs? Play defense? Won some road games?
0: No. For sure. They Only had some one, missed opportunities. One ten and
1: five on the road. That is, that's bad even for MLS standards. Like even Houston, who's notoriously the worst. Um, one two. <laughs> I missed
0: on Houston this year. Let me. Let me. I know we're not doing our end of season call-outs, yeah, but I yeah, totally can, missed on Houston some, this Yeah, we can do some. We could
1: do some. Uh, some in memoriams for the season. I don't, I don't see why not.
0: But I I, just, I you know what Houston SKC I both thought both would be. Um, In the mix. Um, Kudos to you, because I feel like everybody's been uh, lately with how Dallas has kind of fallen down the ranks. They're about right where you called them to be. And while everybody's kind of up in the air and being like, oh, there's so much better team that should be involved or that, you know, what's happening to this team. Mm -hmm. I feel like realistically for a lot of the pieces that they assembled for where this team was at. Um, this is about where we expected them to be. And, and more accurately, it's where you kind of called them to be is right on that threshold of, of the playoffs. Um, I, I know you kind of thought that they would fall out of it. But um, at the same time, I, I, kudos to you to, for kind of making this call because I think a lot of people thought it was absurd that, uh, that Dallas wouldn't be a top four team this year. And you know, here they are kind of yeah. suffering some punches.
1: They're, they're one of those teams that's, again, like very strong at home. Um, and like kind of overwhelmingly. Um, so this playoff thing doesn't really... Because they're kind of on that, that tail end. Like I, I can't see them going super far going on the road the whole way. Um, and I think that they'll be a, a very good team in the next couple of years. I, I know we have a lot of FC Dallas fans that listen. It, it, this is the problem with the whole—I I know there's a lot of pride in that organization, in their in their youth, um, and understandably so. It's great to see local kids show up and sign contracts and play minutes for the side. And the problem is that kids are often really not the best at soccer yet, <laughs> and um, they're going to have some ebbs and flows. So you're going to have these ebbs and flows, exactly. Yeah. So so I'm not I'm not saying that any that Dallas is project this year their project was to transition from Oscar Pereira to a new head coach um, it was to flood their lineup with a lot more youth players it was to build something solid uh, for the future and I think on that front the project has been a success uh yeah. you know qualified success let's say uh you know there's still a lot to happen uh but but yeah I don't see them pushing far into the playoffs if, if they do manage to stay in no, I, I'm
0: I'm kind of with you on that, and and look, um, I think you said it best. The, their goal for this season, while obviously, was to compete and to end up uh, in a playoff spot, fight their way to the MLS Cup. Realistically, with the challenges that they are facing this season, I think has been really uh, a really cool success. And looking over on the other side. Um, Uh, on the eastern conference the same could be said of philadelphia and the fact that they transitioned seamlessly uh with with how they're playing how they incorporated um new features into their lineup it's it's really been um exciting to see and i i really feel like they're a team that could cause some problems in the eastern conference and i think they have uh, i i would not bet against them and To getting to mls cup
1: yeah um i guess if i had to say if i had to pick like my surprise team of the year at this point um boy it would be philadelphia for sure i i I think that we've always talked about how there was talent in that team how there was a good um a good spying there were really interesting good things in philadelphia but it just never all kind of came together um and so i sort of probably expected it to go mostly the same again this year um but boy has it come together and uh, you know when i was trying to pick ns season awards this year one of the things i kept coming back to is like i don't have anybody from philly like anywhere in here um like there just really wasn't like any one player that you could really point to and go, that's why. Like, it was a whole unit. It was a holistic effort. It was really like a comprehensive squad um, uh, season for them. I, I
0: agree with that. And I, 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 I agree with that. That being said, the way that we do our awards, it's who's the best of the best, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at the, the very best. And, and I mean, you look over at Seattle and Seattle doesn't have anybody that's going to be in this in this list. Uh, but yet they're towards the top. You know, same with RSL, same with, uh, well, Portland's got the, we, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll in talk here in about a second. it. But uh, look, it's just how we do awards, right? Uh, yeah. Zlatan is for some reason in this conversation um, and his team is uh out of the playoffs they're second place they're i mean there there's a huge barometer as far as whether you know uh (laughs) not to go not to not to quote you know you know songs or anything but he's hot and he's cold you know it's it's crazy um that how that team is and just because philadelphia doesn't have one player to stand up doesn't mean they don't have above average players really across the board oh
1: i didn't mean to insinuate that if that came across they're all good players it's just like you can look at some teams and go like point to a guy and go like boom joseph martinez boom carlos Vela, boom zlatan ibrahimovic uh nico ladero you can't do that with philly I don't think, and I think that that's just a testament to how well the team has performed, like as a as a, as a comprehensive unit, and how well they've um, found like a system, and they've really all bought into it, and they all live it every game, and that's why I think they're just a threat every game because like they're just gonna give you one. Um, I, I'm a big admirer of, what, of what's gone on there this season.
0: No, that's that's that, yeah, same here. And
1: look, uh, I totally agree with that. I, I totally agree with that assessment. And on the other end of things (laughs) I think let's see what was I the boy Vancouver boy did I mm. now I said to be fair to myself I made sure to leave myself some leeway and say that it might not come together in year one uh with Mark Dos Santos
0: you sure gave yourself a trap door with that one didn't you
1: I made sure to because MLS but if I'm being honest I did not see it going this poorly um there is i don't even really know how to begin with vancouver (laughs) like i i want to say that like they kind of came in for a makeover and like mark dos santos like they started with like the new hair and like they got a cool haircut now but uh, like you know like at the end of queer for the straight guy they showed off the cool haircut or whatever (laughs) Like, but they started with that, and now they got to fix all the dirty furniture and clothes and mismanagement of their life and everything. Along, I don't know. I haven't seen an episode of that show in a long time. But I, I, I there's stuff underneath the surface that requires a lot of repair before they can even start to kind of erect um, the foundations for being a, a consistently successful club.
0: No, I. Th- there's a lot of things that need to. Look, there's a lot of things, like you said, that, that went wrong. There's a lot of things that they're going to fix. Um, they have a lot of pieces to build off of, again, as you said. It'll be – it's just – I want to say something positive, but I don't know what positive thing to say.
1: The club has been so poorly managed for so long. Like That's that's not the kind of rot you can just get rid of in a season and with a new coach. Um, as good as that coach may be and I still think Marco Santos is a very good coach and I think he, he should be and will be given a couple more years um, there's just such a um, there needs to be such a, an incredible culture shift uh, in the way that the team is run uh, before you can start hoping to see uh, dividends and we've seen this team uh, does have scrap like this, this team does have some you know, uh, like they're they're they they want to play, they want to compete. I don't think it's a lack of desire. Uh, I think the Santos has, has done a good job of instilling that. That's a characteristic you know we, we've seen in his teams before, um, and they've given some good teams some really good games this year. So it's not all lost. Um, I know I've said it a few times this season. I if I were a Vancouver fan, I would obviously be a very dis, very disappointed with the way that the results have gone, but I would I would still be optimistic about. Uh, the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. uh, You know, it's, it's kind of interesting the way that we do evaluate coaches and obviously he had some input into how he was going to put this team together, but it it seems like with all the chaos that is uh, that front office organization and all the changes that have been made, it seems smart to give him time. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said in mls with how quickly you can rebuild it a, a team and i feel like there's so many different ways to rebuild a roster should you be in the habit of giving like uh, i've always been about you know give some give people time to kind of build their infrastructure to build what they need to build um i feel like part of that was because, I mean, you look at, uh, RSL, you look at Seattle, you look at some of the stuff, they actually built infrastructure, right? Like the people that they brought in, um, they brought in as part of this holistic approach to the organization, Mm -hmm. uh, bridging the gap between, you know, that first team as well as, you know, the, the younger squads that they have, the youth squads. Do you are you going into this offseason? There's some going to be some, some, there's going to be some t- coaches that are on the hot seat.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I
0: do you think that it's, and I'm speaking generally. Yeah. Do you think you make that switch quicker now because of how much more infrastructure is built in, and in place in MLS? Or do you think that that's probably something that you're just like, eh.
1: I think that the idea of a system coach in MLS is maybe not as um, prevalent as it is in other leagues around the world. You can kind of see. Um, I'm not sure exactly why that reason is. I feel like there's generally like a little more turnover. Um, you, know, you can't really afford to keep depth around and develop it at the same rate that you can in other leagues. Uh, that being said, there's something to be said for just you know, having a consistent vision and and, and it's easy to kind of have knee-jerk reactions. Um, And you see a lot of teams in Europe do this, just fire a coach every year, just bring in another guy, see what, just bring in another guy, just bring in another guy. And it doesn't work always. It's one way to try like a very scattershot approach to it, just throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks. But I I don't think MLS have necessarily like the talent pool to draw from for coaching. Uh, that a lot of those teams have so if, if you've got someone that you, you trust that you see that the players like or respond to it's really hard to give that up um especially not knowing what could possibly be behind or number two like we're starting to see some more higher profile head coaches like we are uh and i think that they're important and i think that they've shown themselves to be important uh, in teams that are that are showing a lot of success so it's it's a good question, and I think it almost entirely depends on context like, i like I think if you're yeah, Vancouver true. you stick with it like you, you stick with Dos Santos for a couple of years. I think if you're um another insta club like New England did the right thing, like Friedel is obviously out of his depth and terrible, like there's no point giving him another couple of years to build something because what you, S- so he's trying to build sucks. so le- let's get specific
0: so let's get specific and and this is gonna come out of left field a little bit, um, right. so I'm gonna throw this at you. Do it. Do with what you will, and maybe we need to talk about this during, uh, you know, the off season. <laughs> Greg Vanny. Ooh. Toronto has had just back-to-back seasons to where they uh, honestly have been supremely average. Yeah. Um, they 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 definitely have the marks to where they can get higher um, at times, and, and not to say that he's. Uh, completely culpable for, for where they're at. I think that that's uh, partly uh, an organizational flaw. They've had a lot of pieces that have been moved. They have a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of uh, situations that have been distracting uh, from the beginning of the season to end of the season and transitions. And despite that, they, they made the playoffs this year. They... Look like they're a much stronger team than what they were, and how they finished last season.
1: Well, I guess what I would say is that a couple things about that. One, I think that situation changed significantly when Fraser went to Colorado. Um, I think if you wanted to make that change, you had a guy right there uh, that was very close to the club already. Uh, that was obviously, clearly, has been deserving of a chance for a while now um so i think that might change things a little bit because i think that was going to be the easiest transition to make if you're trying to do that change um but also i think a lot of what toronto is experiencing now is just um you know like like they can't bully every team financially like they could a couple years ago even it wasn't that long ago that they could just outspend teams and bring in big guys that could make differences and change games and carry through seasons um like they're not the only people in that pond anymore they're not the only team there so it, it uh, perhaps a uh I, I don't know that i i've ever seen Vanny get a lot of credit i think a lot of people said oh well, toronto was just good because they had Chivinko and you know michael bradley and all victor valley you and know, all these guys um i think Vanny's a good coach I, I think that that you still have to get results with those guys and we've seen coaches with good teams not get or with good players not get results before so i don't know it, it it's definitely kind of a weird situation where he had like three of the best years in the club's history and then he's had two kind of uh, years but I, I i i think that would be a quick change i i think that would be a bit knee-jerk but that being said there's new people in charge there in the front office too um that might have a totally different vision of what they want Curtis. To go yeah I,
0: I, of I mean i'm just curious point. from a narrative st- standpoint like wasn't uh, he the one know, that
1: got rid of pecky like, after he won Coach of the Year and brought in Brandon Marsh?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a that was, that was a very – that was a gamble. Um, but he had a vision of what he wanted to do, and he knew that Jesse Marsh was the guy, and it turns out he was it's right. true. Yeah, no, um, totally. Um, and uh, he got a lot of flack for that, and uh, fans were furious. Um, but in the end, it was the right call. And, and Jesse Marsh has uh, uh, turned out to be a hell of a coach, huh? Boy, man, I'm just – fanboying like crazy these days. Like I haven't cared about Champions League in so long and now I'm just like <laughs> Jesse Marshall's in the Champions League. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it, yeah. Um, so if, if you're going to have a guy that's going to make that call he's had experience doing it and if, if he feels like that there's a better guy to bring in for that for what he wants to do then, then he will. Um, and I think Toronto fans should, should trust him on that. But if it were up to me I, I, I wouldn't get rid of Annie. I guess a long so curious way to say hey eh, nah. All right. <laughs> Do you agree? Uh, you know what? Honestly, uh, I
0: have... See, it's, it's really hard to make the decision about the coach and I, I know that's kind of a cop-out. Um, from the outside looking in, I feel like there's a lot of turmoil that I see and I feel like if I see it from afar, that there's a lot more going on uh, underneath that water. And with that being said, they've underperformed uh, in back-to-back seasons and while... I I don't put those seasons that they went to the fi- the MLS Cup Finals up on the pedestal that a lot of people do. I think they're very good seasons. I don't yeah. want to discredit them, true, but at the same not. but at the same time, um, I don't think that they were as uh, dominant as everybody makes them out to be. And I, that's not me trying to have um, you know uh, a second. Um, having 2020 vision behind me it's it's more of a reflection of what the numbers set at the time what we've been able to pick out they were a really good set piece team and they ended up being a really good defensive team and I think um Giovinco kind of got them through a lot a lot more than what they uh than probably than what they deserved in some cases Bam, so
1: Giovinco shot span
0: uh, but that being said um, yeah I would I, I feel like there's a lot of really good names out there on the market and I don't want to throw anybody out like just right off the top and say go after this person but I think that there's a lot of interesting names that you could probably put in that Tfc position and I think with the amount of money that they that they're willing to spend in this era of MLS this is the next. This the, uh, investing in your coaching staff, investing in things off the field. This is where this is where you maintain that advantage. And TFC has not been shy about doing that uh, uh, over the last 5-10 years.
1: You know, I think that in any league you look at, there are sort of these like there are tiers that get set, and those tiers tend to stay where they are for a long time. But I think in MLS, like it moves so much um that you really like do have to what's the alice in wonderland adage the you have to keep running as fast as you can just to stay where you are yeah um that feels more true in mls now than it did even a couple years ago where especially because they just keep putting new teams in here like super rich teams like they keep throwing them into these like this pool like it's (laughs) it's like that's like a fishing pond where they keep stocking it with sharks it's very (laughs) weird um but that's what's happening. So it's you gotta you gotta keep growing. You gotta keep moving. And so yeah, it's it's a tough call. And it's certainly from us on the outside. But uh, you know, I think there are a lot of coaches that have been pretty good for a while that that might need to go if teams are gonna keep up with this like growing thing as we continue to just throw more throw more and more sharks into the pond. So um, it's something we'll probably look at more in the off season when we have like the whole kind of thing done and we can kind of look back at all of it and, and see where teams seem to stand. But uh yeah, I, I would not expect I would not be surprised to see a few changes in the off season this year. I guess let's say that. Um Harrison, do you want to talk about awards?
0: Yes, let's talk about awards because awards are wonderful, just like shots on target. You hate
1: awards, Harrison, explain. I, Tell I hate everyone sho- why I, you're so mad at awards. <laughs>
0: I hate shots on
1: target too. I um, hate shots on target.
0: <laughs> Let's be clear, you
1: like shots on target. You don't like shots on target being clearly better than a shot off target.
0: Correct. Correct. He's not against shooting the ball on target. He knows that's important, guys. It's it's the fact that people are quoting uh, shots on target after a game and then uh, in the second breath going, expected goals doesn't explain a single game.
1: Yeah. Well, that's. Listen, we don't think that's what you sound like. That was Harrison applying a completely different character. Um, <laughs> we know you have a very rich and luxurious voice with a pleasing timbre. All right. Yeah. Uh, Look, Harrison. Uh, award- every time we talk about awards, you get you get like awards are stupid. And I want to be clear: awards are stupid. But do you know why awards are stupid, Harrison? <laughs> because they're given to the wrong people. Because they're given to the wrong people, Harrison. <laughs> I want to give them to the right people. Then awards are awesome.
0: But you're yeah, not into this. Yeah.
1: You're not into the end of season awards. Let's
0: let's do this though. Let's do this. People want to hear it. People people want to talk about it. People, and you know what? I got a couple of good ones. So do you? Uh, okay, uh, I like that.
1: Uh, so yeah, a lot of you. I assume, maybe, go to our website, know that I wrote an article about this a couple weeks ago. Spent way too long on this article, so I'm going to be repeating myself a lot. I don't think I've changed my mind on any of these. Maybe one. No. Maybe one. Um, So, if you've already read it, spoilers, it's the same. And Harrison put some votes in there, but mostly he was being sarcasm. He was doing sarcasm mostly. So we might get some actual answers from him this time. So um, let's start with uh, MVP. This is an easy one, Harrison, right? Yeah, let it, uh, I was gonna throw.
0: See, I was gonna throw out like five different names, and I then none of them Mully. came out. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Poor Molly had a t- has had a tough season since going over. To, anyways, um, yeah, look, it's Carlos Vela. I, I don't I don't see how in any way you can make an argument for his Zlatan. That doesn't make sense to me um there's no one that's been more valuable in creating opportunities than uh Carlos Vela from open play so I don't I don't see how you can even have this discussion at this at this juncture uh Joseph Martinez has been great um he's probably in my book number two uh but yeah right now that it's Vela all the way
1: let me ask you this if you were to pick a second place guy runner-up I know you love this even more now I'm not asking for the award I'm asking for the award that doesn't even exist <laughs> what what do you think about what do you think about Max Morales I think I think it's a I think it's a discussion it's a discussion for second place
0: uh, yeah absolutely because uh, at this point in time I don't think that there's anyone that's necessarily um, like above and beyond, um, the there there isn't a clear front runner for second place. I don't you
1: get a lot of choices.
0: I, I I think you do, and I think there's there's a lot of really interesting arguments to be had. Um, you know, um, I I bash Zlatan and the picks for Zlatan, but his um, according to our little um, expected points added, like he he's he's the leader. Um, so. And, and not it's not very close like what he does individually for, for the galaxy is well he's made them somewhat uh respectable without him galaxy. yeah without him that that team would be absolutely uh beating uh cincinnati for that bottom spot they would be beating each other up Abject, um,
1: abjectly poor
0: yeah um so I don't know. I think I'd probably take the safe one and just go with uh, Joseph Martinez, but I I legitimately and and not just to kind of, you know, you know, placate you. I think Maxime Rollins is a fair shout um, with what he's done replacing uh, via in that in that not in the same role, but in the creation of of, uh, and where he's been. So not
1: in the job, but in the output
0: right um his 12 open play assists lead the league you know that's something that, that's something
1: new york city football club are a very good football team and a lot of people aren't really like that clued into that yet even though they just won the uh, East, I,
0: it's such a jam-packed front front uh they've sort of themselves front a bit though they, they? they have i think yeah absolutely absolutely they have um, I, I, I don't mean to say that they haven't, but at the same time, I don't think that. I don't think they're heads above Atlanta. I don't think they're heads no. above uh Philadelphia or any of these other um, DC United. I they're well okay. They're a good head above DC United. Let's not even yeah. Joke. They're pretty. they uh, they're down. pretty far ahead. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're heads above Atlanta or Philadelphia. I think that they got the nudge over Atlanta or excuse me over over Philadelphia, and I think that uh, I think on a on either day, New York or Atlanta. I mean, that's just gonna come down. Honestly, I think it'll come down to home field advantage, and I think New yeah. York City having that advantage is huge.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, so MVP winner from the ASA show, Carlos Vela. Second place, no clear front runner. Maybe Maxi, maybe lot. It's pretty good that seems fair to me i like those picks joseph maybe joseph that's right don't forget about joseph let's talk about rookie of the year um i selected Andreas and yashiki which should come as no surprise to listeners of this show which is an incredible pick uh he's very good he's the thing is there isn't really a great rookie class around him um I, you know, I mentioned Aronson in the article. I know that you like Aronson a lot. I think he's he's come along a lot in the mm-hmm. towards the end of the year, but like I think his whole body of work isn't as quite where Shinishiki's is. Uh, okay, so let's press. Let's. I know. Focus. Okay. okay. Who are you taking? On... Are you going to take Aronson? Uh,
0: no, I'm not. Uh, Shinishiki's all, all the way, and for okay. a lot of different reasons, but um, primarily what what people I think are confusing are the, the, the bits of flashes that mm-hmm. show that Aronson's going to be a better player long-term than Shinoshiki. Probably That is absolutely so. true. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Aronson, it, I, I, I don't remember someone said in Slack, uh, and I don't remember how this was phrased, but if, uh, Aronson was wearing a neutral Jersey and you blotted out his face, you would confuse him for Pax and Pomichol. Um, I, I, I think is kind of how it was said. Um, I don't know if that's true though. I I don't disagree with it. Hmm. Look, uh, he doesn't have he he's a year behind Paxton Pomcol and you got to think about where Paxton was at this time last year and yeah, that was he true. was still tr- struggling with a few things and he was still, still trying to trip make that transition. He's 18 years old. And honestly, I think he's further ahead of what Paxton Pomcol. I'm not saying that he has the same ceiling. I'm not trying to compare them as what they're going to be to the national team. I'm just comparing season 18 and that transition period. Right. And I yeah. think they're really similar and I think they're really similar players and that they have that high energy motor and that they can play both sides of the ball and they can, they can cut into the middle of the field with the ball at their feet and make creative decisions. Yeah. That's something that to be perfectly honest, we haven't had a lot of uh from an American perspective, from a domestic perspective within MLS.
1: Yeah. Uh it's it's a really good um it's a really good point. I I, I, I would agree that I think maybe his ceiling is even higher than Shinyoshiki's, uh if this year was not, you know, uh considered better. Uh, he's a fascinating kid. I really like watching him play a lot. He's got a certain—this um, isn't like analytics talk, but there's just a certain like uh, way of his uh, his energy and the way he runs about the field that is just very pleasing to the eye. Do you know? What it I is. Mean? No, yeah, I, I, no, I know. I totally he's agree. He's a with very that. entertaining kid, and uh, it, boy, he just looks like he's having a ball out there. So, but, uh, but
0: here, and I really want to—I really want to point this out real fast. Point if you out. go and look at dummy runs. Uh, his cool little, uh, little graphics that charts. he made, yes, mm-hmm. and I know they need to be updated, but like the difference between Aronson's and other people of his peers are just dynamically, uh they're missing something. And yeah. he he in and of itself has played a lesser role. Shinashiki, yeah, okay, he's not on a playoff team. Um, at least we don't think so right now right like that's it's possible that's the <laughs> there's a it's lot of running narratives right now going crazy possible. Boy, still technically possible Amazingly enough all yeah. right here's the deal he's been phenomenal they gave him a chance to fail and he ran with it and that is one thing we don't see enough is teams that are willing to take chances that are in positions that are like you know what look we're gonna be bad this year so yeah. here's what we're gonna do we're it's- gonna we're gonna invest to you
1: it's crazy because Colorado really organizationally said that like, yes, we're not going to be good this year. Let's get some kids out there. And when they started doing that, they started being good. And that's, (laughs) I'm not saying that's always going to work. Uh, but this team is like, actually looks kind of exciting right now after Robin Frazier came in. Um, like they've been one of the best teams in the league since he, he got there, right? I mean, I well, know. It's... I mean, even beforehand. I mean, with Connor Casey. I mean, they were. It's it's not.
0: It's yeah. not like it happened overnight. Connor or uh, Connor Casey's been an amazing caretaking really? manager. and then
1: I, I say this with the utmost disrespect, but Anthony <laughs> Hudson was the Brad Friedel of the West.
0: It's it's so true.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make fun of Brad Friedel every episode forever.
0: Well, it, well, look, uh, somebody, somebody, uh, and, and I forget. Oh, it was, it was Ari uh, on Twitter was talking about how well you know was it just that um, he was that bad? Was Hudson really just was Tony just that bad? And and look, um, he was misplaying uh, Rosenberry in the middle of the uh, as center back. I think he mm-hmm. started three games, and then look, he. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't going right within the, the center back pairings. And I get why he was trying to use Rosenberry. He was trying to basically have uh, some mobility behind Jack Price, who honestly um, is frustrating uh, at times uh, for me because I have different expectations for how I want my uh, center midfielder. But again, going back to like Connor Casey and how him and Robin Fraser have given Price, the ability to have yeah. the freedom on the ball, it's it's just really smart. Um, and it, that's where analytics and the way that we are looking at them showed you that Jack Price was an average to below average center midfielder. Yeah. And somehow they've managed to squeeze about uh, five extra assists out of him.
1: He's plus five right now in his expected s- assists. Set pieces. They've done it through set pieces.
0: Primarily, yes. Yeah, that's going
1: to be the hardest thing about Colorado is if those set pieces don't work next year, what, how are they going to make up these, these chances and these goals? And they're set up very well to be a very good set piece team at the moment, uh, especially with Kai there and um, Price. Lawless. And, sorry? Lawless of Babaker. And Lalas Abubakar, he probably won't be there next year. I actually don't know.
0: That'll, that'll, yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting because he wants to stay in Colorado.
1: But I don't, I don't blame to... him. I don't blame him. <laughs> well, it, like, look, I've um, been to Denver. It's lovely. It, I, I...
0: it is. It is absolutely not just uh, Denver, but the entire uh, state's yeah. really it's, beautiful. It's, but uh,
1: that that organization actually seems to be a little bit better off than Columbus is right now. Um, yeah. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too. Uh, I would be remiss. So maybe they'll work that out. I hope they do. Um, but yeah, good job.
0: Shin Shiki. is by far, I think when you look at the bottom line, what he's what he's brought as far as value to that organization playing uh such an important uh, piece and yeah, playing in such an important position and doing all the stuff that he's done.
1: And He's been very versatile, too. He's played all around that attacking band and, and done pretty good, most of them, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I I would agree with that, and it, even his defensive, uh, even even what he's brought defensively has been yeah, surprising. He's so.
1: a very like actively defensive on the wing. Um, so yeah, good job, Andre Sinyushiky. You win an award from me and Harrison, and <laughs> I think probably you'll win the award, but I don't know. You might not. I,
0: I think Brendan Harrison. I think Brendan Harrison will win it. I yeah, really do. Will. Him oh, or uh, Hassani Dodson. Um, we like, didn't yeah, mention Dodson, and yeah.
1: Just Minnesota has a couple of those guys Dotson and Gasper that are very good players very good rookies but they haven't done what Shinyashiki has done
0: no they, they they just lack a little bit of substance and that's not again that's not to take anything away from them they they're they're fine players and to be perfectly honest they are exactly the type of players Minnesota had to hit on this yeah. year to reach that 90 percentile of where they're at like yeah. I, I I'm i am flabbergasted where they're at and it's, true. it's because of guys like Dotson and Gasper
1: it is all right uh we're gonna have to move a little quicker here through these um goalkeeper of the year uh I have anybody who knows me knows I made up my mind in like last September <laughs> but it's Matt Turner of the New England Revolution um goalkeepers are hard and I say this every time I do this uh there are a lot of good choices here I don't think Turner is as clear-cut a, a, a winner as Stephen Fry should have been last year, um, or Amelia the year before. Um, Steve Clark has been excellent for Portland. Um, David Bingham has been pretty good for LA. All things considered, I I, I wouldn't have thought so. Vega, Miller, hummy like these are all guys that, that have you know reasonable. Um, they're in the conversation, uh, but for me, uh, I don't think New England is. Making the playoffs without Matt Turner, I don't think. Um, I don't think there's a better. I don't think there's been a better shot stopper in Major League Soccer in 2019. I know goalkeepers are expected to do other things now, but for me, like that's so much more important than the other things. That, that, that that's enough to to, to make me not in the direction. He's a fantastic young keeper, and the fact he's so young is what's so exciting about it. Um, but but I really think it's deserved. I really feel strongly about this one.
0: I, I agree with you on all fronts. Um, yeah. The one thing that I throw out is. I I really hope uh, Daniel Vega and David Bingham uh, Bingham I'm I'm constantly going back and forth on whether or not yeah, he's good or are. he's terrible. I <laughs> he does am. that to us every year. Yeah, uh, but Vega Vega is, is is coming up fast behind Bingham in, in in that same thing because he just they both have just amazing howlers. Just yeah. uh, like what are you even doing? Yeah. Uh, moments.
1: Uh, Making those those lists at the end of the year, you don't want to make.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I I couldn't give it to either of those guys. I like Bill Hamid, but yeah, Matt Turner's just set himself apart, and the exactly the arguments you gave, I'd I'd give
1: a thousand times. Yeah, he's had a really hard job. He's had a very bad defense in front of him. Um, he's faced terrible, bad, like high a ton of high leverage shots. Uh, he's we use G minus XG a lot here, um, and Steve Clark does too apparently. Good job, Steve Clark. Uh, yeah, shout out to good. Steve Clark. <laughs> Thanks for shouting out ASA, Steve Clark. You were great this year, really. Uh, but Matt Turner's like amassed like a higher total um, than anybody, and he's done it in the last minutes, like, just because he's facing so many high-leverage shots, and he's saving so many of them. Um, it really is. Like, he, I just I get so excited when I see this kid. I think about the national team for him. I think all the way to the top with that uh, guy. I, I think that I highly of him. Will, will he get there? We don't know. Uh, will he be properly appreciated by the people that need to appreciate him to put him there? I don't know. Um, but but if that guy does not have a January call-up, I'm going to go get Roman on Twitter. That's all I'm going to do. Um, let's talk yeah. about Defender of the Year. I'm uh, Yeah, let's do this. Okay, uh, I have selected Jorge Morea from the Portland Timbers, uh, who I believe is the best outside back in the league uh, maybe not offensively i think he's one of the best offensively i think he's definitely the best defensively um and he has been good at literally everything uh and he leads the league in tackles uh he's third in interceptions uh and he's dynamic on the wing i think he's gone very unheralded uh but i, I think he's had a remarkable year and uh he, he has stuck out to me as the defender that's done their job the best.
0: I I don't disagree with any of those arguments that you that you brought forth. I, I mm-hmm. definitely the tr- uh, the game that really stood out for me was actually the U.S. Open Cup game uh, that he launched several different counterattacks that were ended up being unsuccessful, but it was so. They were just so fast and furious. The way he would win the ball back and immediately start the transition, and then not only would he he would join the tra- the the attack with him. He didn't wait for someone uh, to afford to. He was already far enough up the field to where he's like, nope, I got this. I'm gonna go forward. And then as soon as the ball as soon as the ball uh, was turned over, he was so quick to read the situation. He made a really couple of really great runs back to the defense. And that was that was the first kind of like eye popping, and yeah, we've talked about this you and I know uh, for probably the last two months. I completely agree with you. I think he's probably the best fullback right now in in MLS. I think he's probably the best uh, defensive player, or excuse me, he's the best player on the back line right now. Yes, <laughs> I I have a different opinion about how this should this award should be given out.
1: Yeah. If you think outside of the box, or if you think outside back was was crazy folks, Harrison.
0: Uh, So the Defender of the Year right now, it it just says Defender of the Year. It does. It's it's ambiguous in the context of what is a defender. Why
1: not not a defensive midfielder, Harrison? (laughs) Why not a goalkeeper?
0: Because they already (laughs) have their own award. Well, they have their own award. But look... uh, I think it should be Edward, uh, Eddie Atosta. Um, Edward Atuesta of the Los Angeles Football Club. He's been so good this year. It's so, so good. And it's not even like he has these bulk of defensive actions. He's, he he wins almost every single one and he he picks them perfectly. Um, I, I honestly think, uh, his recoveries, uh, there is nobody better. Um, he is just such a dynamic player. And the way the LAFC plays defense is with the ball. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any other player in MLS uh, right now that is this impactful. Um, when we talk about MVP, um, I almost I almost threw, the, threw his name out because I really feel he is up there with how we evaluate um, both defensive value and attacking value. Um, I, I don't know if we're quite there to to <laughs> secrete it and be able to bottle it and throw it up on the on the website and everything. But I mean, from an eye perspective and watching the ga- game and how this team functions, he's such a vital cog of it. Um, outside of Vela, there's there's nobody more important to this team right now. Um, and that's honestly, uh, Atuis, I can never say this name. I've, I've said this, like we have these conversations <laughs> via text so that I don't continue to butcher him Cause I think it drives you nuts. <laughs> but Atriesta yeah. is just been so good this season. I, I can't think, and going back over the years, I felt this way about i felt this way about Diego Chara. I've felt this way about uh, Ozzy Alonso. I think both of those two guys have had different moments, uh, different seasons, to where they should have been considered for this for this award because they were they were the sole defensive minded player on their teams for that season, and they were the best in MLS at being that physical, that defensive presence for uh, and the defensive face for that for that team. I, I think the same is true right now. I don't think that there's a better defensive player um, right now out there in the league, and that's I know that the idea and the context is supposed to be more uh, to, slanted towards giving the center backs and you know mm-hmm. s- some love and uh, look. I I love giving the center backs you know callouts, um, but it, it's you know it's Ike, great job me. Ike.
1: You're probably gonna win again this year
0: you know what though and this is and this is the thing that's frustrating to me is it's not like he shouldn't have won it yeah in the past uh they i want to say what did he he didn't win it last year did he did he win last year
1: yeah
0: okay see he's just a guy that i have in my mind that's been stiffed in the past but I mean, I mean, it's like Chad Marshall. There, it felt like there was a couple of years that he got stiffed. No, and he even won though, it in twenty
1: seventeen. He, he
0: still won one. He still what? It's it is the it is the Ch- honorary Chad Marshall Defensive Player of the Year award yeah, in my Aaron, mind.
1: Aaron Long one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad.
0: But um, yeah. Last year. Oh, Aaron. Okay, then that's what it was. Yeah. I like Aaron Long too. I mean, I'm not yeah, gonna. Aaron Long's good. Well, he's a good player. Yeah. And, um, Unless you're talking about, like, U.S. men's national team players that can't all of a sudden pass anymore because they had one bad game against Mexico, and they should probably take that award from them. Uh,
1: But besides Um, that... Listen, I'm okay with that. Stakes are high in international football, Harrison. One game. Um,
0: One game. It's all that matters. It doesn't matter anything else. All
1: right. Uh, (laughs) So some (laughs) unorthodox picks there. Uh, We'd like to see this award, obviously, expanded to players that aren't center backs. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's us. Uh, we gotta go quick here Newcomer of the year I have Haber uh, For me it is simple He is the best newcomer of the year yeah. Did you know That from open play He's the most prolific goal scorer in the league Define prolific He has scored the most goals For 96 minutes From open play Better than Vela Better than Joseph Better than Zlatan Okay It's pretty good Sure. A very good team it was terrible
0: before he showed up no they He he's absolutely been uh a huge piece for them yeah. i will i i won't i won't argue that good job haver harrison who you got so uh again outside the box i have nani um you know you, what harrison do you want to just like throw something at me or you
1: want you want you want know something harrison i don't think i've ever been more annoyed at you <laughs> then several months ago when me and you were talking on this very podcast this very podcast and you were just denying everything i was saying about nani being good and being a good player and you mocked me you were like just because he played for manchester united you said those words to me <laughs> and now look at you look uh, yeah
0: <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing um there's, there's a couple things that, that jump out to me. And it's probably unfair to ever because, he, look, he has a very specific role. So when you start looking at what a player uh, does, what they accumulate, the events that they, they're oriented towards, mm-hmm, it's mm. a little bit unfair. Nani's just a much more all-around player. Uh, well-rounded player when you look at their profile when you look at the underlying numbers
1: he had more responsibility he had more things to do absolutely absolutely. and and
0: what he's meant to orlando this year and how close they were to actually accomplishing that playoff goal which continues to elude them it was it was by far one of their best i think it actually was their best season um so that really sounds out to me. I know a lot of people are going to throw out Brian Fernandez. Brian Fernandez had a great first half of the season, and then he was first been, half
1: of the second half of the season.
0: He's been awful since. Like, he's not really been good at all. He's it's actually kind of annoying to me. Um, <laughs> it,
1: well, he's he's got off the he started red hot. He really did. He scored like a billion goals and looked sharp. And yeah, he's kind of uh, fallen off the pace a little bit, and that's that's fine. That's not unusual. Um, You know, it might take him a little while. I don't know. What's the opposite of a dead cat bounce? <laughs> live cat bounce? But it's like a live cat <laughs> other thing. Because, like, you hit the ground running. And then, like, you slow down. Like You do that. I don't know. We'll come up with a better word. It's the opposite of a dead cat bounce. We see that happen in MLS. A guy comes in and is on fire for, like, ten games. And then maybe the next season takes him a little while. Yeah,
0: Diamande Dia did it last year.
1: Sure. Uh, Ladero did it after... 2016 so that's that's, that's not the well. same
0: that's not the same thing that's not the same his role changed. don't even get me started on that do not, <laughs> okay do all right. not no all right all right ladero all right. Anyway. didn't have a dead cat don't you now the opposite, now we're, the opposite. we're even now it's it's we're even now
1: it's the opposite of a dead cat bounce it's a live dog sink live dog sink <laughs> 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 Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Coach of the Year real quick. Um, you know, when I write these, I write these a l- couple weeks earlier than most people because I you want to get ahead of the narrative. I want to get ahead of the curve. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, my biggest fear is that that person will embarrass me in the last few weeks of the season, and I'm proud to say that none of these other people have. But Mateus Almeida has made me look kind of dumb in the last few games. Uh, not so shiny. Um, that being said. I know it's Bob Bradley.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. But it's, Bob's been phenomenal.
1: Yeah. But when I look at what someone started with and what they've done with what they had. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's Matthias Almeida for me. Still, even though things have kind of tiled off. And you know what? Things have tailed off for LAFC, too, in the last couple of weeks. It happens at the end of years, you know. Um yeah, nope. but he, he, all right. So we say this. So we say this about Mateus Almeida, and I, I
0: completely agree with you. Look, they, he took a team that just was awful last season, and he made them really good uh, and borderline elite for parts of the season. Yeah. But if I were to tell you three seasons ago that Bob Bradley was going to come up, come back to LAFC, he was going to trade. A lot of Tam for Walker Zimmerman, and he was going to use him as a centerpiece behind the best team or make him the centerpiece in the defense for the best team in MLS history. What would you have said?
1: I would have shrugged. I would have been that, like, but that doesn't so sound hilarious. like Walker
0: Zimmerman's a fine defensive player. Fine he's fine. Man. He's yeah. fine. Yeah, he's okay. Like, I don't think I want of to him say, as elite.
1: Yeah. If there's one thing I want to say about Bob Bradley, it, it's just that. And i get it it's the same kind of rationale and i very like this was the hardest one for me and ultimately i went with the heart pick instead of the head pick but uh i mean you look at some of these guys like latif blessing who was okay at skc and like look what he's become under bob bradley look at danny k he, 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 he was done being Kay. a teenager mark anthony k was... look at mark anthony look danny at, k look <laughs> at i don't know if i keep saying Danny k is an See, actor I... from the <laughs> 60s and I keep, every time i talk about mark anthony k i say danny k first Put the poison in the pestle. It, I don't know why I get these people confused. They're nothing alike. Yeah, um, he
0: was the, one of the first owners of the Seattle Mariners. Um,
1: Mark Anthony Kay, Atu Like these are good players, but like they became something else under under Bradley. Um, and, and so I, I get it. I do. I, I I I could. I'd be happy with either one of these two gentlemen winning the award. And I, I can't see anyone other than these two gentlemen winning the award, or really anybody other than Bob Bradley. So. It's sort of a moot point. I just wanted to once again acknowledge Matthias Almeida. I think yeah, fantastic I, job he's done.
0: I think it's a totally fit, totally fair. I think it's just amazing that it's we're so quick to think. That uh, Bob Bradley has nothing but Lamborghinis in his, you know, parking yeah, lot with no, Bella. Yeah, no, absolutely and, not. But Diamande, um, really, it's amazing what he's been able to do in his time. I really hope that he comes back healthy. Um, the the stuff that he was able to to help cultivate with Mark uh, Mark Anthony Kay, and then with Tyler Zimmerman, Jordan Harvey. Yeah, um, yeah look,
1: not. these were not elite pieces.
0: No, they—they're they're not. They're—they're they're pieces that you know what—they're—they're they're fine. They're very good uh, for what they are. But he's managed to take these pieces that are MLS players, castoffs, and build something around them. Tyler Miller, his his identification and keenness to to scoop up Tyler Miller was along with Latif Blessing. Uh,
1: was, yeah. And you know, John Thorington deserves a lot of the credit for this too. Yeah, sure. Um. So, yeah, that's our awards. I don't think there's any other awards, are there? I, I'm sure there are, but, you know, they're not worth mentioning. Comeback player of the year. Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris, sure. Is Jordan Morris the best American player in MLS? We'll talk about that later on a different episode. I, I don't want to have that conversation. I'm going <laughs> to hurt
0: somebody's feelings. No, come on. He's been
1: great. Yeah, he's been very good. He's Yeah. But he no. Yeah. Sorry. I've heard, people say it. I've heard people say this. Yeah, but they
0: also say it in the context that there's not a conversation to be had. Like they 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 it's it's a one-sided conversation. It is a one-sided conversation. People people like that they don't actually want to hear the the retort, the answer. They they just want to be
1: told absolutely you're right. You know what? You guys are right. Uh, That's all i got time for today. Uh, We're going to be back at some points during the playoffs. I don't know exactly whens and wheres, but uh, rest assured, this is not the last recording of the American Soccer Analysis Show for the year of 2019. Um, I want to thank Harrison, uh, Harrison underscore Crow on Twitter. Thank you, Harrison, for for joining me every week. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, You can follow uh, ASA on Twitter. It's at Analysis Evolved, and visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com. Uh, we talked a lot about those playoff predictions. Uh, go check them out. Give them a look. Give them a look. See. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, we didn't have time this week to get to any, but what we usually do uh, send them to, to Harrison or, or Ad Analysis Evolved or myself. Uh, hashtag Ask ASA, uh, and, and we'll address them here or in written form uh, if possible, uh, unless there's just something we don't know the answer to, and then we'll pretend like the question never existed. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon. Until then, enjoy Decision Day Soccer. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm a pinball machine. You're an ice cream sundae. Ooh, ooh. I'm a broken machine. You're a mechanic on the highway. Ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: I was a coop scout, boys. Without a compass in my knapsack. Now you're in my car.
1: Wow. Slow driving on the bluff Cars passing both of us please bumping windows up Ooh. You share your bubble gum I think that I'm in love Tell me what you're thinking of Cause I've been thinking about You